Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So we have got a lot to do on today's show, almost so much to do that it's overwhelming with the players who are coming to Georgia, staying in Georgia, going away from Georgia, whatever else. We'll try to do our part to cover all of that. But before that, though, there is something I think kind of important that I feel like I need to say, and it's kind of going to end up resulting in a little bit of a homework assignment for all of you, but I believe it's the kind of homework assignment that you're actually going to enjoy. Let me explain it this way. One of the things I've heard from a lot of you recently is, is that there are a lot of narratives that are just sort of put to bed forever because of the fact that Georgia won the national championship. I'll give you a couple of quick examples of this. A lot of you grew really tired over the course of the years of like the Justin Fields thing about, you know, what happened with Justin to Georgia and Justin's departure from UGA. Now Kirby handled all that. And and I'm, I'm right there with you. It's like this, this tiresome thing that is probably not a great chapter in the recent history of Georgia football. And yet now that Georgia has won a national championship, it's almost like all of the air is completely taken out of that balloon, that whatever energy that conversation had has just been kind of dialed down several levels because of the fact that UGA is the national champion. All of that history can now be reconsidered and, and for the most part disregarded because of what Georgia has now done for the 2021 season. Another example of that in kind of a different vein is a lot of you have brought this up, and I think this is 100% right, that – the black jerseys can now be worn anytime you want to. You want to do blackouts again? You want to do any of that kind of stuff? You're absolutely free to do all of that. Because remember, the the stigma around, or stigmatism, as uh, Kayvon Thibodeau would say, um, the, the stigma around the black jerseys uh, kind of all centers around the 2008 lost Alabama, the blackout game there. And uh, the fact that after that, a lot of folks were just kind of done with like black jerseys and kind of the maybe the the, the phony emotional boost that kind of gives you. And now that Georgia's won the national championship, all of a sudden the stigma is completely removed from the black jerseys. I would say, hey, wear them as much as you want to, wear them every game, wear them whatever, that you don't have to worry about that anymore because now you've kind of vanquished the foe that kind of started the issue for the black jerseys all the way around. That's another narrative that's kind of reconsidered now that UGA has won a national championship. But There is a narrative on top of all of that that I think that if you have not taken time to consider this, this is now the time to do it. That over the course of the last few years, I think Alabama took something from Georgia that now is time to sort of take back. And if you can do this, I think your experience as being a Georgia fan is going to be much more happy, uh, much happier, much more enjoyable. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. That... I think for a lot of Georgia fans, along the way to finally beating Alabama and winning the national championship in the process, I think they kind of tricked themselves that as long as that end goal was still out there, as long as that was still out there and having not yet been accomplished, as long as that was kind of the thing, that nothing else mattered until you did that. That that until you beat Alabama, every other accomplishment this program achieved was just going to be hollow in comparison, was just going to be diminished in comparison to the big goal of having beat Alabama. And at different times during this show, I would come on the air and I would try to push back on that a little bit. And I would talk about kind of the non-Alabama-related accomplishments that this team had put together. And admittedly, 
I sort of felt a little bit like a loser for even saying that because it sort of felt like you were settling for second best when you was like, hey, don't forget this team won the Orange I should say won the Rose Bowl a couple of years ago. They beat Oklahoma in the college ball playoff. This team has beaten Notre Dame a couple of times. This team uh, opened up the season by beating Clemson. Along the way to all of this, I, I, I've been trying to point out some of the fun, really cool things that that Georgia has accomplished to kind of remind you that that you got to judge yourself with progress. Remember we talked about this before that the key to happiness in life is progress, and if you judge the progress that you were making, that you could feel you know happy about your experience a, as a fan and maybe a little bit more optimistic that maybe one day this team would get over that hump and beat Alabama. Do you remember when we talked about that on this show? Well, now that's come to pass. And so now I think it's time to reconsider a couple of things that have happened for Georgia. One thing in particular that um, I don't know got their full consideration there at the time. So here's the homework assignment that I want to give you. And a lot of this is based on actually something that Kirby Smart said way back at the time. Here's the homework assignment I want to give you. Now that Georgia's beaten Alabama and now that Georgia's won the national championship, I want you all, if you can, to go back and rewatch the Orange Bowl again. I do. Because when I was in Sanford Stadium on Saturday, and when I was looking at all those trophies, and who knew there's still like a thousand national championship trophies? Like, honestly, I didn't even really realize the crystal football was even still a thing. I was happy to see that was actually given out to Georgia on Saturday. That's kind of cool all the way around. Uh, obviously, you got the traditional college ball playoff trophy, but you got all these national championship trophies that are being given to Georgia on Saturday. But on the stage there as well, was the Orange Bowl trophy. Now, I'm assuming it was refilled with oranges because they look pretty fresh. And obviously that night there in South Florida, they were uh, Stetson and Kirby and all of them were tossing the oranges into the crowd. Um, I'm assuming they had to refill the Orange Bowl trophy with fresh oranges. But along the way to beating Alabama in the national championship game, Georgia had to do something to earn its way into that game. And what it took on was a Big Ten champion, what is it, 12-1 Michigan team there in that spot. A lot of folks thought Michigan was going to win that game. Michigan fans themselves thought they were going to win that game. And Georgia completely dominated Michigan, totally throttled them from the word go. Before those Wolverines fans even had a chance to, to blink, they were down to what, 27-3, and Georgia's doing uh, halfback option passes for touchdowns and everything else. That game was a thing of beauty for Georgia. But at the time, it almost wasn't really considered at all, not just by the fans, but by the head man in charge himself, Kirby Smart. I mean, do you remember what he said after the Orange Bowl, basically sort of shrugging off the entire experience? Let me go back in time and let you hear Kirby after the Orange Bowl, a message when asked about, hey, why didn't you want any kind of you know sports drink poured on you? Why didn't, uh, you, know, why, why didn't you want that? Kirby's message and feeling at the time, I think, embodied the, the rest of Georgia fans actually fairly well there, too. This was Kirby Smart from Miami. Yeah, I, I was wanting to get a real shower, not a Gatorade bath, because I want to get focused on Alabama. They got a five, six-hour head start. So, I mean, I'll be honest with you guys, I'm not interested in celebrating that. We'll look back on that, that win, and that'll be great. But we're focused on the task ahead. That's, that's the objective, and that's what our guys – you know, they worked their tail off for three to four weeks to get this opportunity. And it was a one-game season, and now it's another one-game season. I'm not focused on Gatorade Bass. <laughs> so Kirby says in the midst of that clip, hey, we'll look back on this game and that'll be great. And maybe at the time when he said that he was being kind of flippant or sarcastic or whatever else. But now that Georgia's beaten Alabama, 
let's do look back on it and let's appreciate how great that was and let's put that in the same category of a few years ago beating Auburn in the SEC title game you know winning a home and home series against Notre Dame beating Oklahoma in the uh uh Rose Bowl I mean George has actually won what four six of the uh, New Year's six bowls in Kirby Smart's tenure as, as Georgia head coach maybe it's time to kind of go back and kind of appreciate some of that again now that the big challenge is over now that the big missing piece of the puzzle has been added the win against Alabama the national championship now that that monkey is off the back or maybe you want to say elephant off the back because of the Crimson Tide mascot now that that's done I do think that some of the fun things that Georgia accomplished on the way can't be more properly appreciated so here's my homework assignment for you whether you go find some sort of bootleg copy on YouTube or you've got your own uh, copy of the game still saved on your DVR, go back and rewatch the Orange Bowl. I've watched some of those highlights myself here a little bit recently. And the way in which Georgia dominated that big-time name-brand opponent like the Michigan Wolverines, the, a team that was probably, I think pretty clearly, the third-best team in college football all year long, and Georgia absolutely laid waste to it. Um, I think all of that can now be appreciated in a more appropriate, positive light now that Georgia's won the game against Alabama, that beating Michigan as badly as Georgia did was a pretty phenomenal accomplishment there as well. And it goes there alongside a lot of other non-Alabama-related accomplishments this team has put together in recent seasons. And giving those events their proper appreciation sort of seems like the right thing for dog fans to be able to do right now. So that's your homework assignment. Hopefully over the course of the next couple of days, you'll find a way to uh, get that done. Let me also shift to this Georgia got some very good news yesterday it was right at the end of our time going off the air that Nolan Smith made his announcement that he's coming back to Georgia and obviously this is one of those things that if you're going to build on a national championship season putting a nucleus together for the next season is clearly an important thing and a guy like Nolan certainly has a chance to be that because by the end of this season think about you know from about the halfway point of the Florida game all the way to the Alabama game that final sort of second half of the year I thought that Nolan Smith was playing at an incredibly high level I think most of you'd probably agree with that too but it's also over the course of that time that I sort of came to fully appreciate the level of leadership that I think Nolan Smith was providing for Georgia this year and what he has a chance to provide coming back here for his final year at UGA in 2022. And I don't just mean because he's well-spoken. In fact, the fact of the matter is Nolan was a well-spoken dude going back to his time as a recruit. You know, charisma is not the same thing as leadership. Just because you are, you know, well-spoken with how you, with how you present yourself in front of the media that should not always be confused with leadership because that's just more kind of an innate talent that's not necessarily the, the the thing that you're saying but it's actually the words that Nolan used a lot over the course of the last part of the year that I just found to be really powerful you know think about the way in which he spoke on behalf of Stetson Bennett after the Florida game which that was a little bit of a shaky performance we can't deny that and yet Nolan kind of put himself you know, in between the, the the critics of Bennett and um and 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 Bennett himself, and obviously foreshadowing the way in which no, uh, Stetson would go on to contribute to a national championship there for UGA, that was a big thing for me with Nolan. Really, kind of speaking up and being willing to go against the grain of what might have been popular common opinion amongst many fans and maybe some media. Nolan sort of took that head on, and that was a, a strong example for me. The other thing was going into the national championship. You know, I think to have big accomplishments I think you have to have a proper appreciation for just how big it would be you have to understand that it's not just another game and it's not just another moment that there is a 
that there is a emotional connection to that kind of win that means more than almost anything else ever could and because of where Nolan's from and because of the way in which Nolan has bonded with, with the rest of his teammates he seemed to have a great appreciation for that so when you think about what Nolan brings back in terms of the kind of player he is in the football field it's really good to have that kind of edge rusher coming back you could almost see him being in a little bit of an Aziz Ojolari type role for Georgia here in the 2022 season the kind of the way that w- the Aziz was kind of the clearly unquestioned guy rushing the passer for the 2020 season maybe Nolan's that for 2022 and he gets a chance to make a name for himself in terms of his NFL draft future there as well but it's also the leadership part of this that's going to be so important as well. And I don't think that anything embodies that better than the way in which Nolan talked about what a national championship would mean for Georgia. Let me go back in the past. Let me let you hear Nolan talking about that. And as you hear his words, think about the way in which a guy like Nolan will also be motivated to build off what Georgia just earned. This is Nolan Smith going into the game against Alabama. I mean, I think it means everything, you know, it's a lot of kids that's born and raised in the state of Georgia, and this is one that you'll never forget. And I always tell, always talk about leaving a legacy to my kids, but this is the ultimate, you know. Kind of like, you know, a lot of people go to the programs just because of their father and everything. I want that to be my son's choice, but ultimately this is my goal and my dream to be able to walk back here and, you know, point point at, you know, son, this is what I did here. And, you know, we born, we born and raised here, so why wouldn't we want to do that? I mean, I think that kind of legacy-minded thought process from Nolan is just really valuable. And obviously, one of the things we heard a lot coming into this past season from guys like Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt and others was the notion of unfinished business, that Georgia had a hole in its resume because it hadn't won a national championship. Well, now that's no longer true. That particular piece of business is done, but you have the sense there's a whole lot more that Georgia can still accomplish. It can use the national championship to put this program in a completely different level than many folks could have ever even imagined for UGA going back a few years ago. And for Nolan, who had a craving to win the national championship for all the reasons that he described there, that same insatiable hunger to keep building off that, I think that's going to be very much present for Nolan as he returns too. This was very big news. It was not necessarily unexpected. A lot of folks thought that Nolan might come back, would have a reason to do so. Well, as he comes back and tries to continue to polish his craft and make a name for himself, the Georgia program has the opportunity to benefit from that. The nucleus for the 2022 season is starting to come together. Nolan Smith, clearly a very big part of all of that. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for the fans of the national champion, Georgia Bulldogs. Hello to you, and thanks for being with us, whether you join us at 945, first and 15 there at dognation.com, the Dog Nation app, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, podcast after that on-demand audio all the various podcast platforms apple spotify everything else we post the show each and every day at the world famous dognation.com there as well however you get to us we just really appreciate you being a part of it and listen all the things we get a chance to do traveling to indianapolis being in athens on saturday for the parade being in our palatial studio here today none of that would be possible without our great sponsors including our friends at engineered solutions of george you've heard me telling you now for a while that not only is ESOG a longtime friend of ours here on Dog Nation Daily, they're also proud partners of UGA there as well. It's always fun to support those who've supported Dog Nation Daily, who've supported UGA, who've done their part to make everything around here bigger and better. And that's what Engineered Solutions of Georgia has done and will continue to do. Plus, 
They also are the ones you want to turn to when it comes to your foundation and waterproofing issues. As a homeowner, these are scary things that you potentially have to confront. Maybe you've seen examples of this, cracks in your wall, things like that. You know 2022 is the year in which you need to get that taken care of. Don't put it off any longer. Plus, when you've had some of the precipitation we've had over the last few days, you know that's creeping into your basement, that's creeping into your garage area, things like that. Well, go ahead and get that scene about. Let the folks at Engineered Solutions of Georgia tell you what you need to know. And the good news is a solutions-based company like this, oftentimes the, the solution to your problem is actually not as substantial as you might think that it is. But if it is something that's a little bit more serious, all the more reason to have Engineered Solutions of Georgia on the job because they have two full-time engineers on staff. That means people who are far smarter than me telling you what you need to do to kind of protect your home, your most important asset, your most important investment. It's the structural integrity of the place where you live, after all. That is what Engineered Solutions of Georgia is all about. And I like simple things. Engineered Solutions of Georgia has a simple way for you to get in touch with them. You can simply dial this number. It's 678-ESOG now. That's right. Dial 678-ESOG now. That'll get you in touch with Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Speaking of getting in touch, we're going to get in touch with Connor Riley here coming up in just a moment. Before that, though, I do want to go uh, around the doghouse here presented today by our friends at Georgia's own credit union. And obviously, there was reporting yesterday, uh, Mike at DogNation.com, this was not, I think, a surprise to many of us that it looks like JT Daniels is going to go into the transfer portal that would seem to be happening sooner rather than later, even though I think it's kind of commonly assumed that Daniels will have to graduate from Georgia to be able to go play somewhere else. That doesn't preclude him from already putting his name in the transfer portal and already kind of looking for what the next best home for him is going to be while he finishes his coursework and gets ready to be a part of another program sounds like he might not be able to be on that team for spring practice but could be on that team after that and I guess putting your name officially in the portal is the next step in that process and that could become official in the next you know day or two whenever else but it looks like that's going to happen and I don't know this is one of those things we've obviously talked a lot about the Daniel situation I feel like I've kind of got a lot to say about this I guess let me begin with this a lot of times I think about what it what does it mean to be a DGD a damn good dog what does that mean and like one of the things I sometimes come back to is it's sometimes that's kind of earned over the course of many years, you know, long time contribution for Georgia. And sometimes that's kind of earned in kind of the short term sense of do you just leave Georgia better than you found it? Do you, you know, is Georgia better after your departure than it was before you arrived? In the case of Daniels, I think that's probably true. And a lot of that has very little to do with what he actually did on the field because the fact of the matter is over the course of Daniel's time being here at Georgia, he just didn't play very much. He was hurt a lot, and you know, then you know, Stetson Bennett kind of emerged after that. Daniels didn't play a ton here at Georgia. But the one thing that I'll always give him a ton of credit for is down the stretch of what turned out to be a national championship season for UGA, Daniels, who had every opportunity to make himself a distraction, who had every opportunity to leak something to the media or whatever else – and there were all kinds of willing accomplices that would love nothing more than just to sort of fan the flames of hysteria around all of this and make a big name for themselves by, by you know, uh, using Daniel's words as a way of, you know, cultivating some sort of controversy. There are plenty of people who would have been a willing accomplice of Daniel's had he wanted to kind of create controversy. And he just never wanted to. He just never chose to do that. So I do realize that the Daniel's era at Georgia certainly doesn't end the way that he wanted it to and certainly doesn't end the way that a lot of you probably wanted it to but it does end with a national championship and Daniels 
role in all of that was to just kind of recede into the background a little bit, and he did that very well. And we don't have any indication that Daniels ever did anything other than work as hard as he could to be ready in the event that Georgia might have needed him. Credit to Stetson Bennett for the fact that it never really did. But we don't have any indication that Daniels was anything other than ready if called upon. In fact, Kirby Smart going into the college football playoff and going into you know, the championship run that Georgia went on was always very complimentary of Daniels for doing just that. In fact, here's Kirby before the Orange Bowl uh, back in December. Um, like I talk about all the time, we're, we're going to play the guy that gives us the best chance to win. And I'm really proud of the way both those guys um, have practiced. We've done, uh, I guess, four or five camp-type practices and two uh, uh, really focused on uh, Michigan-type uh, practices. And, and both guys, uh, Stetson and JT, have been, have been really good in terms of locked in and focused on what we need to focus on. Couldn't have been easy for Daniels to do what Smart describes there, practicing only to be the backup, practicing only to be ready if need be. That's obviously, you know, not what Daniels thought he would be doing once he started the year as the starting quarterback and finished last season as starting quarterback. But sometimes college football is just kind of a crazy sport, and sometimes crazy things can happen. And Georgia went on one of the wild rides towards winning a national championship. And a lot of you have seen the photo. I don't have it to share for you. It's not mine to share. But a lot of you have seen the, the, the photo of – Daniels hugging Stetson at the end of the game essentially lifting him into the air to celebrate his championship and you know I'm sure that maybe one way or another no matter what JT was feeling privately he was willing to celebrate publicly and I think that's kind of a cool thing so I'll give him a ton of credit for that one more thing I'll say about this you know subject as well is that even though this year ends in a national championship for UGA and Stetson Bennett will be a historic figure because of that, I do think that the future provides an opportunity for Georgia. <laughs> like we've been saying this now for a while. I feel like the future provides an opportunity to take some of the drama out of the quarterback situation. I mean, I think one of the most disappointing aspects of the recent chapter of Georgia football lore when it comes to the quarterback spot, even though the result is a championship – You go back and think about where we were a year ago, not only did it seem like Georgia was well set up with the starting quarterback in in JT, but you looked at the guys behind that, whether it be Carson or or, or Brock Vandegrift or whomever else, you sort of thought you saw the the seeds growing of a sensible quarterback succession plan, and all of a sudden that's been totally thrown into disarray. We have very little idea of of the quarterbacks that were here this past year, how many of them are actually going to be back next year. We have some suspicion on that but uh but there's only so much open speculating i'm going to do regarding that but the the clear plan of succession that at one point in time seemed like georgia had doesn't really have as much going forward now it didn't cost georgia on the field they won the national championship but as you move into the future whether it's an arch manning or, or whatever else developing a quarterback plan that's just a little bit more drama free i do think would bode georgia well the fact the matter is georgia overcame the drama this year to win the national championship but it would be nice in the future if there was just a little bit less drama to overcome. That's my hope anyway. That is also around the doghouse. It's uh, presented today by George's own credit union. And obviously a lot of you traveled a bunch over the course of the last few weeks following these dogs everywhere they went. I know I did there as well. And one of the things that makes that experience more enjoyable is when you plop down that Visa signature platinum card from our friends at George's own credit union. First of all, there's all kinds of you know conveniences associated with that. You make contactless payments, and that's really important in this era of life that we're in right now, but also great incentives there as well. You can 
get uh, all kinds of uh, cash back bonuses, uh, travel uh, uh, perks, uh, you know, all kinds of cool things that come your way when you use the Visa Signature and Platinum Card from our friends at George's Own. You also get $150 just for signing up. So you can find out more about this. It's georgesown.org. That's the website, georgesown.org. Find out about all the, the facets and the information related to the Visa Signature and Platinum Cards from our friends at George's Own Credit Union. Happy to have George's Own delivering around the doghouse to us here today. All right, before we're done on today's program, there is some... I think factual stuff that's out there related to name, image, likeness, revenue that some players are going to have a chance to earn that I do think is worth our attention. Because one of the things you've heard me kind of complain about is the lack of fact-based stuff out there related to some of the NIL stuff. Well, this is, I think, pretty fact-based. So we'll get into that here coming up in a little bit. I think it does have some relevance for Georgia, which we will talk about here before we are done. But for now on the future quarterback, on the aftermath of a national championship, who's coming, who's going. It's almost more news than I can process at one time. Luckily, I'm happy to have Connor Riley kind of keep up with all of that for us. So we'll talk about that with him. It's a Kroger Fresh Take with Connor Riley here right now on Dog Nation Daily. Glad to have all of you with us, too. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Those of you watching on video, Connor kind of gave you a little bit of a Chris Collinsworth-style slide-in there. I got a little slide-in from Connor on that. I'm always here for the uh, Collinsworth slide-in. Uh, nonetheless, good to have Connor Riley here. Kroger Fresh Take here right now. And as said before, I, I have essentially declared bankruptcy on trying to keep up with everything that's going on right now in terms of who's coming and who's going but uh, connor is very good at that he's been kind of chronicling the blog for us there at a dog nation on all of that so we'll kind of get into some of that as we're kind of going along here connor but let's just kind of keep the conversation going that uh i was just having uh, i celebrate jt daniels for being uh happy to kind of go with the flow towards the end of the season i think he earns a lot of status in the mind certainly of of, of myself and hopefully a lot of georgia fans for the fact that he was a a true team player down the stretch i think that contributed to georgia's national championship i wish him well wherever he wherever he goes um i also hope that georgia kind of at some point in time finds a way to make the quarterback a little bit more of a drama-free position around here what do you make of just kind of all of this with the assumption based on reporting from Mike yesterday that Daniels is about to be in the transfer portal and the quarterback room at UGA is going to look presumably a pretty good bit different next year? Yeah, I think if I had told you before the season that Georgia's going to win a national championship, I think everyone here would assume JT Daniels is probably moving on at the end of the season. And sure. That's sort of what has happened and where we are at going forward. And so you know, you, you, I think you want to see JT have success wherever he might end up going. I throw out there that his former head coach is now the head coach at Georgia Southern. That's not a lengthy move for him to make uh, acting under the assumption that he is ultimately in the transfer portal, which I expect them all to be. But as far as, you know, the lower third says what's next, Georgia's probably going to have to lose another quarterback because it's sort of keeping up with the numbers right now. Georgia's at 91 scholarship players. That does not include the three unsigned committed prospects in the 2022 recruiting class. We also think Georgia's probably going to want to add some talent via the transfer portal there as well. And I, I think quarterback is a position where you're going to see further attrition along with some spots on this Georgia team. But as it stands right now with the sort of number crunch we have to see, even though you've already seen six players enter the transfer portal, you're probably going to see at least another eight to 10 in my estimation of entering the transfer portal as far as where things go from a roster standpoint and from a quarterback standpoint. 
we haven't gotten any official confirmation on what Stetson Bennett is doing, but if I'm having to take a guess, I'd probably say he's coming back at this point in time. And I think you're going to have three scholarship quarterbacks next season for Georgia. And we'll see how that turns out. I know my own personal beliefs on this. I want to see Georgia develop Brock Vandergriff. I want, we haven't really, you know, since Jake Fromm, and even that was a little herky jerky with the way the progression went there. I, I want to see them develop a quarterback like you've seen Alabama do with Bryce Young, like you've seen Ohio State do with CJ Stroud. And I think that's sort of the next step in the evolution of this Georgia program. We've seen them be able to build great defenses, land really talented skill players. I want to see that quarterback development sort of hit that next step for Georgia. Yeah, I think that Brock Vandegrift here is the most important name we're going to discuss because Carson Beck's a year older. It would just stand to reason that that he might be more willing to kind of look at a new spot just simply for that that, that reason alone. Uh, Gunnar Stockton's a year younger, you know, stands to reason that he might not quite be ready to make a big leap to the college level next year but Brock Vandergriff could be in that perfect zone where he has a chance to do that and I do think he should be given every chance to do that I would have said that if JT Daniels was still here I'll say that if Stetson Bennett's still here I have no problem with Bennett taking the first snap the first rep of spring practice but beyond that I think it ought to be an open competition and I say that as a huge fan of Stetson Bennett Bennett will be on the top shelf of Georgia football history for the rest of time. I don't care how many national championships Georgia goes on to win. The fact that Bennett led to this one gives him a, a, a truly special place in Georgia's football history. But in the present tense, the competition for quarterback next season ought to be an open one, and Brock Vandergrift ought to get a very long look for that. And Georgia ought to be scrutinized for how well it develops Brock Vandergrift to be to be able to be that guy. This is his time. Last year wasn't his time, but this year is his time. And by this year, I mean 2022. This year is his time, and seeing how he develops through the spring and in a position to maybe be a, a significant contributor for Georgia next season, I do think that's going to be uh, really important. It's not too soon to start talking about that yeah and I, I like you said Stetson deserves assuming he comes back Stetson deserves to be the first guy under center he's earned that and if he continues to play well he's going to continue to be the guy under center but with the way this team is going to look this year Georgia's going to need more from its offense and from its quarterback position Stetson was good last season but Georgia wants to win a national championship again I think it's going to need great quarterback play and you know Brock Vanegar is probably not going to give that to you in the first start of the season. Could he get there with it, with the snaps and the rest by the end of the season? I think that's a possibility. And in looking what we saw from this offense this year, you know, Stetson's athleticism, I think was a real differentiator between what JT Daniels brought to this team and what Stetson did. Well, Brock Vandegrift has better athleticism than, than Stetson Bennett does. And so if running matters, and even I think adding in more designed runs would be something we see with this Georgia offense going forward. I think that's going to continue to matter for this Georgia team. And so how Georgia goes about developing Brock Vandergriff, because whether or not he starts, Georgia needs Brock Vandergriff to take a step forward because Stetson Bennett is gone after 2022 anyway. And sort of you're looking at 2023, potentially completely new quarterback room. Yeah. I mean, you could always go to the transfer portal, but I think they're going to want to see Brock Vandergriff develop because then you can also sort of point to, and this is what Ohio State has been able to do so successfully, they have Dwayne Haskins, they have Justin Fields, they have C.J. Stroud, they've got Kyle McCord. They can go to any quarterback in the country and say, hey, we can put you, like Georgia can say with linebackers at this point in time, if you're willing to be a little patient, we can put you into the NFL and have continued success at this position with you and sort of be that next guy. That's what I want to see from this Georgia quarterback. Let me do two quick things, the quarterback spot here for a moment. Some people have made a little bit of a big deal about the fact that you know Stetson said whatever he said in the Good Morning America interview about 
trusting the coaches. To me, that's not a binding referendum. Like, whatever you say, it's 7 o'clock in the morning after having not slept very much the night before and having done who knows what else. Um, I just don't know that I put a lot of faith in those words by Bennett, given the fact that he had a chance to amplify those comments later on in the morning and kind of chose not to do so. I'm almost willing to kind of chalk up the if I can trust the coaches thing as a little bit of a misspeak. Some people kind of also brought up the way he didn't speak during the the ceremony on Saturday. I don't put much in that either. Only two players did speak. That's just kind of George's way there for the good or for the bad. You know, they're just not going to like, you know, you know, roll a lot of players in there and let them pat themselves in the back. That's just kind of not really what Georgia does in situations like that. So I personally think that some people are kind of looking for a controversy with Bennett that I'm not quite so sure exists, but I want to be fair to the other side of here. What do you think about that? Yeah, one, I don't hold anything someone, uh, much less a college student, says at 7 o'clock in the morning after sure. all night of partying. Uh, you know, I think the fact that Seth and Bennett was able, able to form a somewhat coherent sentence no on that Good Morning America interview to say something there. Two, you know, as far as him not speaking at the celebration, the only two players that spoke were captains of the team, and Setson Bennett wasn't a captain of this team. And so I think that has more to do with that than anything else. And I'll say this in defense of Stetson, with all that he's been dragged through, with all that he's been accused of, and let's point out, this is a coaching staff that has not always believed in him. This mm-hmm. is a coaching staff that saw him leave and go to Jones County. This is a coaching staff that – at the start of the 2020 season, he was a fourth string quarterback for this yep. team. So, uh, you know, while some might say, well, how can Stetson say that? I, I think you can look at some of the things that Stetson has been through in his time at Georgia and say, hey, maybe he should have his guard up for good reason going forward. You know, last year, this time last year, JT Daniels was the unquestioned guy, the no doubt about a guy. And by the end of the year, Stetson's the guy. So I, I see where Stetson is coming from here. Sure. And he's earned that, right? He's earned, I think, the ability to be defensive with all that he's been criticized for and all that he's gone through. And for him, quite frankly, to have the best quarterbacking season under Kirby Smart as a head coach, in my opinion, you can hold up Jake, Jake Fromm's 2018 statistics to Stetson Bennett's. And I'll take, I think, what Stetson did this year over what Jake did in 2018. And so the thing I come back to with Stetson is, all right, how close is he to a ceiling as his football player? Because he's going to be 25 years old midway through next season. You know, how close is he to his peak? If he's able to continue to get it better, there's a good chance we're going to continue to see him out there. But Georgia next season, I think, is going to need more out of its quarterback position than even what Stetson gave them this year, which for the most part, with the exception of really the second half against Alabama, I thought was very good play. So one more very quick thing on quarterbacks, and we'll move on. It just seems appropriate to mention in the midst of all this, there have been multiple published reports that Georgia had a ton of folks in Louisiana last night watching Arch Manning play basketball among those Buster Faulkner which I find to be kind of interesting here along with Todd Monk and Kirby Smart and everybody else the point is it seems like that Georgia's pursuit of Arch Manning is very real and I can't think of a team that has a better shot at landing Arch than Georgia probably does this is a big conversation over the course of the next year and this is not you know exaggeration and puffery in the part of you know uh, a Georgia themed podcast it, it seems like uh it seems like Georgia is very deep in the mix when it comes to arch right now yeah I, I and I think Georgia's in a spot where it can afford to be selective with arch because it does have good quarterback depth already in that room and at the same point in time you know we still don't really know what we haven't brought Vandergriff or Gunnar Stockton as far as what they are as finished quarterback products and you know this sort of dovetails into something we're going to talk about later here but you mentioned Buster Faulkner there 
I think he's very much a name to watch in terms of being elevated into an on-field coaching assistant for Georgia. And I do think his relationship with Arch Manning and, and sort of his ability to navigate the waters in the states of Louisiana and Mississippi, a place he has spent some time coaching before, I think is very important to this Georgia staff going forward. So the Arch Manning recruitment is probably the number one recruitment to watch for college football this year. Anytime we write about it, anytime anyone writes about it, they're going to want to read about it because of what his last name is, because he's a five-star quarterback. And so this is going to be a story that continues to develop. And I'm going to be really interested to see how the Georgia coaching staff as a whole handles this recruitment. All right, very quick. Uh, Nolan Smith returning. I kind of shared my thoughts on that a moment ago. What do you think getting Nolan back means for Georgia in 2022? Yeah, I think it's huge. For one, you know, and I've said this time and time again, Nolan's the kind of leader you need to have on this team next year, a guy who's going to be more vocal because this isn't going to be, I think, as deep as a senior class as you have had in the years past. And I think his vocal leadership, which was something that even bled through on this 2021 team, is something that's going to help this team a lot. But I go, I keep going back to the comments he made before the Alabama National Championship game and the talk about leaving a legacy. Mm-hmm. Nolan Smith was going to be drafted in the NFL this year yep. if he elected to, to forego his senior year. You know, I, He would have been maybe a third or a fourth-round pick. But I think you look at how he played against Florida, against Michigan, in in the rematch against Alabama. When he needed to turn it up and play his best game, he very often did. So going into next season, if he's able to build on that, if he's able to play like he did against Michigan, which I thought was his best game of the season, if he's able to do that six, seven, eight times next year, he's going to be, I think, a first-round pick type player with all that he brings from an intangible sense along with the health and upside and athleticism that he still has as a football player. So you, it sounds like you, you don't think that like a Z's Ojolari 2020 is too high of a ceiling for Nolan next year? I don't. Now, it's going to be interesting to see how sort of the outside linebacker room shakes out. We still don't know what Robert Beal is officially doing. He has made no announcement on that. We don't know what is happening with Adam Anderson. They do bring in, as it stands right now, at least two edge rushers in the 2022 signing class. But Nolan Smith, to me, you know, in a way that Jordan Davis was this year, is sort of the face of the Georgia program. He's going to be the guy that's speaking at SEC Media Days. He's going to be the guy that we hear from more often than not representing this defense. And given this, all this defense has to replace next year, I think there's an opportunity for Nolan Smith to do a lot more because for all that I just mentioned and how well he played in those big games, he only finished the season with three and a half sacks. And while I think we, that, that sack number is maybe a little bit overblown in how we view NFL defensive end or edge rusher prospects, I think if he's able to get that to like an Aziz Ojolari 7-8 level, that's really going to answer just about any and every concern that he has out there. All right, let's turn, let's turn our attention to what we know is an open coaching spot there at Georgia with Cortez Hankton on the move here right now. And the one big question a lot of fans have is, you know, our guy Terrence Edwards gets a little bit of mention for this. And a guy like Hines Ward may even get more mention for this because years ago, Hines openly campaigned to get the job. And he's also currently a college wide receivers coach there as well. Um, you know, how real do you take it that one of these former players, maybe Ward in particular here, how um, how real do you take it that a guy like that could be a candidate for this job? Or does Georgia kind of look for the Trey Scott, Dan Lanning of wide receivers coaches, one of those young up and coming names that is ready to make a big name for himself in a in a role that's bigger than the one they've been in the past? Yeah, I'd probably lean to the latter scenario there. You know, as far as Heinz Ward, I think one year at Florida Atlantic doesn't necessarily still pass the smell test of what he needs to to become, I think, a wide receivers coach at the University of Georgia. And, you know, the name I come back to is Buster Faulkner. And assuming, and maybe this assumes not the right word there because there's a very real scenario in which Todd Munkin 
I think does go to the NFL if the right opportunity presents itself. <laughs> you know, you can move Todd Munkin, keep him as the offensive coordinator, move him to the wide receivers coach, which has sort of been his area of expertise. And then you elevate Buster Faulkner to the quarterback's position. I think that's something that I would consider far more likely than say a Terrence Edwards or a Heinz Ward. But, you know, a year ago, nobody knew who Jamel Adai was for this yeah. in, in terms of this coaching staff. Nobody knew who Dan Lanning was before Georgia had gone out and hired him. Kirby Smart has shown time and time again, he's going to be diligent in terms of finding assistance that he might go out and hire. And there could even be a couple of guys who took jobs elsewhere. You know, I don't know how real this name is, but say like a Mickey Joseph, the former LSU wide receivers coach, took a job at Nebraska this year. You wonder, Georgia wants to get back into that Louisiana ties, you know, with Cortez Hankton leaving. That's an important part of the area and the country that they recruit. Could that be a potential name to watch there as well? Uh, you know, going back to Heinz Ward and Terrence Edwards, you know, maybe maybe they continue to position sell themselves and do the things that they need to do to where the next time Georgia has a wide receivers coach opening, they're much more realistic candidates than I think they are right now. Yeah, I think that's probably uh, well said that I think – in their own way both those guys are making a huge contribution to football and in Terrence's case I mean think about how many individual players he's developed to kind of get ready to play at the college level and also he does great work for Pace Academy program that's I mean as as well built out from a coaching staff standpoint as you can imagine in the case of Hines Ward I'll give him a ton of credit a lot of folks when he was talking way back in like early 2016 about wanting to be on Kirby Smart staff or whenever that was, those things were first coming out. A lot of folks kind of rolled their eyes and assumed that this was just a rich guy who was thinking he was going to buy his way into a job like that. And the truth is, is that Ward has kind of humbled himself, you know, a low level of NFL, you know, ranks when he, I think, worked for the Jets and, you know, kind of low level of the college ranks here, there as well. He's traveling a path that other players have done you know as well where it's like hey I've got all the money in the world at least you presume that he does I've got all the money in the world and yet I'm still gonna kind of start at the bottom and kind of work my way from the coaching rank so you know this may be one of those things where this may not be the last time a guy like a Heinz Ward gets consideration for a place like Georgia or a guy like Terrence Edwards either right and you know again the thing I go back to is let's if you remove Heinz Ward's name from this and you look just his resume right now Two years as an assistant coach with the Jets, one year as the wide receivers coach at Florida Atlantic. I'm not sure that necessarily passes the smell test of what you would want your wide receivers coach. Now, I unfor- not unfortunately, but you look at it, you do attach his name to it. That's probably part of the reason why he got an interview with the Houston Texans yeah. this past weekend for their head coaching opening. So, you know, there are still a lot of questions about what I think both Hines and Terrence Edwards would be as, as recruiters and the time commitment, I think, that comes with being a college head football coach. And to be honest, you know, I, and you'll talk to Terrence on Thursday, and I'm sure you'll do the journalistic job of asking him the hard questions about sure. this. You know, is that something he really wants to commit his time to and his life to and, and uprooting from Atlanta and moving to Athens and the time commitment that comes with that? That's certainly a question I think it's fair to ask. Especially when you have young kids and things like that, because yeah. we've heard Kirby Smart talk about that of, hey, you know, you got you got to everything in life is connected that when you make the decision to get deep into something like that there is a trade-off on the other side and Kirby has certainly been very open about the price that gets paid for getting as deeply involved in the world of coaching as as these guys the Georgia level have gotten involved one final thing on this because I want to do another subject before we uh let you go here is that one way or another whoever Georgia hires as its wide receiver coach is very very important because let's face it this is the national champion 
but the wide receiver position is not quite that national championship level, I would say, for UGA as of yet. I think Cortez Hankton actually did some good things for Georgia, probably raised the overall level of recruiting for Georgia this position, but there is still plenty more work that needs to be done, so this is a very important hire. In fact, I'd say, just given the relative success of the program, the wide receiver coaching hire is far more important than what you presume is also an outside linebacker coach eventually getting hired. The wide receiver coaching hire is the most important hire that I believe that Georgia is is certainly known to need to make this offseason. Right. I think you look at this team and going forward, the the area of concern that sort of still exists is this wide receiver position. Yes, they signed, you know, five top 100 players in the 2019 and 2020 classes, but George Pickens is already gone and we're maybe a year away from some of those other big names in those two classes going away in terms of uh, moving on to the NFL level. And uh, you love what you saw out of Adonai Mitchell and Ladd McConkey this year, but how often can you find those gems in the rough? Is that just something Georgia does incredibly well with Todd Munkin? They have a great ability to identify under-recruited wide receivers for one reason or another, or is it something where you get to a point where you're landing top 100 players from the wide receiver room consistently? That's what Ohio State is doing right now. That's what Alabama is doing. Even LSU, to an extent, has found success there in that wide receiver room as far as getting a consistent pipeline with top 100 talents. I'm not saying you need to sign three or four in every class, but I think it would help this Georgia room out a lot if they're consistently at least getting one in every single cycle, and that's what you want to see going forward from this wide receiver room. I want to ask you about George Pickens before we sign off here on this interview, but first let me remind folks this is our Kroger Fresh Take with Connor Riley, and of course Kroger's got a great new membership opportunity available for you. It's called Kroger Boost. When you sign up for Kroger Boost, not only do you get free grocery delivery, you get all kinds of great incentives and perks, and twice the fuel points there as well when you're getting involved there with Kroger. And the great news is membership can be as low as $59 a year. So uh, Kroger.com slash boost for a lot more on that. That's Kroger.com slash boost for a lot more on that. Some really, really good stuff. Uh, also, uh, you want two times the fuel points there as well. How about this weekend when you uh, shop Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, starting January 21st within the month, you can get those uh, big fuel savings as well. You don't even have to be a Kroger Boost member to be able to do that. So download the digital coupon, and you can get that in your Kroger app there as well, and you can start earning some big-time fuel points here as we head towards the weekend. Really good stuff. So upon the announcement that George Pickens was going on to the NFL draft, I said on Twitter this week that I think that George Pickens is the most exciting UGA player of my lifetime. And I think what I kind of mean by that is sort of on a pound-for-pound basis, if you you get my drift, because a couple people were like, well, what about A.J. Green? I think A.J. Green's clearly the better player, but I honestly have to say that I think on a per-play basis, oh my gosh, there's George Pickens, what's he about to do? I think Pickens actually, for me, was a more exciting player than A.J. Green, even though A.J. was clearly the better player, you know, one of the great players in this program's history. Some people mentioned Todd Gurley there in a conversation like that, too. And Gurley comes close to matching the excitement level of Pickens for me. Think about the way in which he took the kick return back for a touchdown when he came back from injury in 2014 against Auburn, uh, or I should say came back from suspension in that game against Auburn. The play got called back due to a penalty, but it clearly kind of speaks to the exciting level that what Gurley brought to uh, UGA but for me I believe that Pickens is still my answer what do you make of the thought in my mind that George Pickens is the most exciting Georgia player of the last 35 plus years George Pickens isn't even the most exciting player in his own signing class no 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 no, no. I, don't. I, I, I'm giving this to N'Kobe Dean uh, and, and just watching him play watching some of the highlights the hits that he has made the plays that he has made 
Did George Pickens ever make a play as big as that interception return in the game against Florida? I think you're conflating something here. You're talking about uh, no. you're, you're you're talking about the overall quality of the player. Does Nakobe Dean make a bigger impact on Georgia? I believe that he probably does. Is Nakobe one of the the best players in recent memory in this program? I believe that he probably is. And it's not that Nakobe isn't exciting. But there's just such a wow factor associated with Pickens. And listen, not all of it's always the right reasons, right? I mean, some of it is maybe he's going to slam an opposing player into a wall. Maybe he's going to squirt a quarterback with a water bottle. I mean, some of this is not always necessarily for the stuff that you kind of wanted to be for. But there's this moment that in, in, in any given moment, on any given play, there's no telling what George Pickens might do. A lot of times it's for the good reasons. Sometimes it's for more entertaining reasons that are not necessarily related to football. But there is an excitement factor actor for Pickens that when I remember his very brief career at Georgia I think that's the thing I'm going to remember it for is is there was just such a can't take your eyes off this guy type quality that probably over indexes his overall contribution to the program I, I still trust my answer in Nicobe Dean and watching him close on on opposing ball carries one of the most fun things I think you can do uh, I will take Nicobe Dean's you know the tackle he had against mm-hmm. Michigan up against any sort of highlight that George Pickens had. But to the larger point, when I think back on George Pickens, the first thing that I'm going to try and remember or want to remember is actually the fact that he's a champion. And the important thing with George, to me, it's not so much the things that he did on the field, the excitement that you touch on. Those are all very important things. But for a long time, we had a lot of questions about George Pickens. Even going back, you know, was he actually going to sign with Georgia? Was Georgia going to be able to get him into their class, you know, Uh, All the off-field questions. For me, what he did over the last nine months answered any and all of those questions. I agree. And for him to, you know, it could have been very easy for him to say, hey, you know what, I'm going to head on and head on to the NFL. I'm going to start getting my body ready for there. He said, no, I'm going to work my butt off. I'm going to come back in eight months from an ACL injury. And he obviously wasn't himself physically, but I think we saw a pretty close estimation of that in the national championship game against Alabama. You saw him make that diving catch. He drew a pass interference penalty on Georgia's last drive there to help move them closer to scoring position. For me, the way that I choose to want to remember George Pickens, and really this is something, you know, again, it's worth keeping in mind. These are 20, 21, 22 year old kids and they're maturing quite a lot. So from where George was as a freshman, where suspended the first half of Georgia tech, ejected the second half for fighting has to miss the first half of the sec championship game to where he was at the end of his time at Georgia, making those contributions, working his way back, doing the hard things that need to be done to make sure you're on the field and making championship level contributions for this team. That's what I'm going to remember more than any diving or leaping catch that he made in his time at Georgia. And to your point about Nakobe, here's the one thing I'll say about him is I don't know that I've ever seen any Georgia player do more things where my response is, well, I didn't know a human being could do that. You know, like it's one of those things where like his closing speed from one side of the field to the other, he put that on display so often, so frequently that it almost looked like something from the matrix where he, like he's just closing speed, uh, getting from one place to the other in a way that like I said before, I just didn't know human beings could do that. I don't know that anybody's had more of those kinds of plays than Nicobe probably uh, has. Let me also ask you this real quick before we let you go. There's been a lot of player movement coming and going coaching movement things like that you've chronicled this for the blog that's ongoing there and updated daily at dognation.com i don't know that anything has been all that shocking necessarily about who's staying who's going anything else maybe just 
answer this however you want to. Thumbnail sketch of kind of what's still yet to come, what has happened, what jumps out at you. For the Georgia fan who's like me, just trying to process all of this and in one given moment, just trying to even remember everything that's kind of come out and become official, you know, what's your simplest way of processing all this right now and the eye towards what might be coming next? Yeah, so I think it's important to keep in note here that Georgia in the transfer portal, they're going to lose guys that they want to keep. And I I think you look at the two players who have already found new homes, Justin Robinson and Jalen Kimber. Both those guys are going to play at other SEC schools, schools Georgia is going to see next season. And look back to last year, some of the guys that left the transfer portal, who I believe absolutely would have played and would have played key roles on this team. Jermaine Johnson goes to Florida State and becomes the best player on their team and one of the best players in the ACC. Tyreek Stevenson is the best defensive player on Miami's team last year. Major Burns was starting for LSU in the secondary before he goes down with an injury. Georgia's going to lose some talented players from this team that guys don't that 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 fans may not want to see them lose. But at the same point in time, Georgia is so talented, so far and away talented that they can afford to lose what was the best defensive player in the ACC at a position that became pretty thin for Georgia at the end of the year, and Georgia's still able to do enough to win a national championship game by double digits. Georgia's going to see some more transfer portal uh, attrition. They're going to lose guys that a lot of fans think are really, really talented players. But having gone through all of that, Georgia is going to, trust me, be just fine in terms of where it is at a talent level and contending for a national championship when this transfer portal eventually sort of slows down come around, say, July and August. I think that's right, Connor. Thanks for your time. Kroger Fresh Take. We'll look forward to speaking to you soon. Yep, as always, it was a pleasure. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. All right, great stuff from Connor Riley. And as before, kind of keep that idea going. We can bring that music down just a little bit if you want to. Uh, Just keep your eye on what he's writing there, dognation.com. In addition to the regular stories, there's also that updated ongoing blog. I find myself kind of checking that kind of stuff a lot right now because it's just a lot to process. None of it's been all that surprising necessarily, but it's still just a lot. There is, I mean... By the time we get to spring practice, I mean, there's just going to be a lot of movement back and forth and in in and around, and uh, obviously guys like that doing a really good job of helping us keep up with all of that. Let's also get ready to go cruise around the SEC, courtesy of our friends at Royal Caribbean. Obviously, when it's time to think about a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation, and believe me, when I tell you that 2022 is that time, think about our friends at the Cruise and Vacation Authority who help you do all of that. I mean, if you're watching on video, look how cool that is. The aqua theater on the back of these ships, the wonderful shows, really kind of redefining what it means to have onboard entertainment. That's what uh, Royal Caribbean's all about there. The bars and the 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 shows, Broadway productions like Grease, just, uh, just amazing what you get on board uh, one of these Royal Caribbean cruise ships right now. And if you want to have the best experience possible, booking your vacation with somebody who really understands all the ins and outs and the secrets and the special tips associated with the Royal Caribbean cruise ship, that's really important. There. That's where our friends the cruise and vacation authority come in here. So you can check them out online, tcava.com. That's tcava.com. You can also give them a call, 770-952-8300. That's 770-952-8300. The Cruise and Vacation Authority, a couple of UGA grads, they will help you out. They know Royal Caribbean like the back of their hand, and they want to get you going on a cruise ship here in 2022. I can't wait to be on one myself, you better believe. We're going to be celebrating in style in the fun, the sun on the Royal Caribbean cruise ship here coming up there in 2022. All right, so one of the things you've heard me say before, I get a little bit frustrated because I feel like that the name image likeness stuff that's upon us here in college football is so nonspecific. There's all these rumors out there of what you hear so-and-so school is doing this and blah, blah, blah is doing that. And yet 
nobody ever really actually reports anything with any kind of specificity about what supposedly is being done. In fact, when you corner certain people on certain things, they actually deny kind of the whole thing, at least sometimes. It's one of those things where it's pretty clear that the name, image, likeness, revenue opportunities that are available to college football players is changing the landscape of the sport. It's only changing the way the sport is talked about. But how real is some of this? And one of the things we're going to try to do in the upcoming year is when somebody does something specific and factual related to name, image, and likeness, we're going to talk about that. Not the kind of exaggerated claim that nobody ever goes back to verify, but the stuff that sort of seems real and accurate to try to paint an accurate picture of what's actually going on here. And so with that in mind, there's this Miami booster guy that, you know, he's very rich. He started a new company, and I guess he's going to use that new company as a way of providing some endorsement money to some Miami players. Darren Rovell, the, uh, you know, sports business gadfly, was talking about this a little bit yesterday in the midst of also talking about his MLK collection, which is a different thing for a different day. But the point is, uh, uh, Rovell kind of shared this tweet from this Miami booster type. Let me show this on the screen for a moment. So the guy's name is John H. Ruiz. He's a rich dude, got a new company, and he's going to use that new company to pay these Miami players the following amount of money. I'm going to read this very quickly. Tyler Van Dyke, the quarterback, gets $50,000. Cameron Kitchens gets $42,000. James Williams, you'll remember him as the uh, very impressive safety prospect from a couple years ago. He gets forty-two grand. Will Mallory, tied in, forty-two grand. Zion Nelson, forty-two grand. Uh, Jafari Harvey, thirty-six grand. Jacoby George, thirty-six grand. Elijah Arroyo, thirty-six grand. Romello Brinson, thirty-six grand. Now, first of all, if you're uh, Romello Brinson, you're gonna be you're gonna be like, how come I'm getting thirty-six thousand? Somebody else is getting six thousand more than me. How do we decide that? But here's the point I want to get to on this: is that this is as real and specific as anything related to name, image, likeness has been so far that I'm aware of. This is the guy who's paying the money, saying, "Here's how much money I'm paying," and. I don't know if you notice what I notice on this. In fact, I haven't really heard that many people say this. Take James Williams, for instance. Williams is a guy that a lot of our audience is pretty well aware of because he was a very impressive safety prospect, a player that a lot of us who follow Georgia football really wanted Georgia to get, chose to go to Miami instead. So now, as a reward for being on the Miami roster, he's going to get $42,000. Now, on the one hand, there's this thought of, oh my gosh, this is uh, ruining college football you know, all of a sudden now these guys are professionals. This is free agency. This is blah blah blah. Whatever else, I don't mind telling you. There is a lot of thing related to it, or a lot of the things related to the name, image, likeness stuff that's out there right now that I'm very skeptical of. I think there are a lot of people who want to see you know the college football model destroyed who are using name, image, likeness as a tool to potentially bring about that destruction. I have no problem telling you about that. However, I also think that for the most part, the impact currently on name image likeness stuff in college football has been drastically overstated drastically overstated forty two thousand dollars over the course of a year for a potential future nfl player is just not necessarily that much money now for someone like me it's a lot of money for someone like you it's probably a lot of a lot of money but if you're the kind of person that aspires to one day play in the nfl compared to your future earnings forty two thousand dollars does not necessarily turn out to be all that much money so there's this thought of, and, and, and here's where I think a lot of this kind of comes to become a little bit of an issue. I happen to have a pretty good idea that there are a few players out there who are maybe considering transferring to go somewhere else because they have been given, I believe, um, 
an incorrect notion that somewhere exists for them hundreds of thousands of dollars of name image likeness revenue and that somebody somewhere is cashing in on a huge huge level to the degree they're not and so they want to go to the transfer portal and they want to see what's out there for them because there's this rumor that so-and-so is paying so-and-so x amount of dollars but when you really dig deep and find out what's going on here it might be 42 grand now i also want to point this out that the guy who's very rich, who's paying this money, is doing so on, a, on behalf of a company that just got started. By this time next year, that company could be completely gone away. Uh, oftentimes, companies do, and so we'll see what happens to this $42,000 once you get to that point. The point here is, is that the people who are willing to say, yeah, I'm paying money, here's how much I'm paying. Like for a future NFL player, it's just not life-changing money as of yet. So one of the things we hope to be able to do is shine the light on what is truly verifiably happening when it comes to name image likeness and take some of the mystery out of this because all of the the rumor mill of well so-and-so got a million dollars and blah 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 school is giving out hundreds of thousand dollars here and there i'm not quite so sure that's true and i think the miami story here from the guy who's actually paying the money seems to validate that idea just a little bit so so maybe for the players who are worried that somebody somewhere is getting something they're not Maybe this actually kind of serves as a little bit of a reminder that, I mean, the fact of the matter is there were a lot of players prior to name image likeness that were getting this kind of stuff legally through Pell Grant before. I mean, you know, the, the, there were plenty of players who were getting like a five figure sum from the Pell Grant before they were even having name image likeness. So for all like the hustle and bustle about what NIL really is. In the life of a college player who's got everything else paid for, I'm not quite so sure $42,000 is changing their life all that much. But nonetheless, uh, that is what's out there. A couple other things here very quickly. I saw where Auburn has, is accepting Robbie Ashford out of the transfer portal. You remember Ashford, a uh, really good high school quarterback from Hoover years ago, uh, went to Oregon, now coming to, uh, to Auburn. So Auburn's going to have TJ Finley, who's been there, Zach Calzada transferring in from Texas A&M and now Ashford there as well. Listen, Ashford at one point in time was a pretty good looking prospect there. Um, So they're going to have like this whole collection of quarterbacks. You kind of wonder if this is kind of what the future of the transfer portal is going to be a little bit. If so many guys are transferring, it's not like one quarterback transferring who you kind of guarantee the job to. It's a handful of quarterbacks transferring. You kind of just throw, throw them out there and see what happens almost like Georgia kind of did with Jamie Newman and JT Daniels a couple of years ago, is the Ashford, Calzada, Finley race going to be a little bit similar to that, where it's like clearly two of the guys at least are going to be very unhappy. That's before you even get to any other quarterbacks that might be on the roster because they've also got uh, that holding uh, Garner kid from uh, Benedictine. He's a pretty good quarterback, too, so I'm not quite so sure the incoming freshman isn't better than all of them. But the point is is that you kind of throw all these guys to a hat. You sort of see who does what. By the way, you've burned your one-time transfer to go to a school that ultimately didn't make you the starting quarterback. I mean, that's where it kind of gets messy. When you take this many transfers in, knowing only one guy is going to play, you know, how much uh, complaining is going to come on the other side of that? So I thought that was kind of interesting from Auburn. And then finally, there was the uh, – Football Writers Association of America awards last night. Our buddy Mike Griffith is part of this. They do the Freshman of the Year award. Happy to see Brock Bowers win that. That was kind of cool. I also saw the uh, Steve Spurrier award, which goes to, the, I think it's the best first-year coach in college football. This was split amongst two SEC coaches, Shane Beamer at South Carolina, who really did do great things with that program here this year, far better than anybody else could have ever imagined, and Josh Heibel at Tennessee, much the same way. You know, I had both these guys kind of pegged to beat the bottom part of the SEC, and the fact is they both kind of finished their seasons on a pretty strong note all the way around when you think about 
you know, the presence of Billy Napier at Florida, the presence of Josh Heupel at Tennessee, Shane Beamer at South Carolina. Are these the kind of coaches alongside the more established guys like Kirby and Mark Stoops that can kind of bring a little bit more balance back to the SECs? It seems like for a whole bunch of years we've been talking about, hey, SECs kind of balancing things out with the SEC West. For the most part, it just doesn't really happen. Maybe this young new crop of coaches can be a group that can help maybe kind of restore some of that. It's at least worth considering. But clearly, in the case of both, I would say Hypel and Beamer, very well deserved what they're able to get done. We'll make that cruise and run the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And also a couple of shots out here before we do our golden shoes in a moment. We have some good ones for today. First of all, our friends at the Finish Long Drink. Obviously, a lot of you've been toasting national championship now over the course of the last few days. And as you do that, the Finnish Long Drink remains a great choice for you because let's face it it tastes great it comes from finland which is kind of cool four different varieties it's a ready-to-drink cocktail right out of the can it looks like a beer but it's not it's a ready-to-drink cocktail that means you get the gin kick to go along with kind of a like if you get the traditional in the blue can it's a grapefruit flavor there's the uh, long drink cranberry there's the long drink strong eight and a half percent alcohol by volume i know some of y'all like that of course the long drink zero zero carbs zero sugar if you go to longdrink.com you can find out where you can get some today just put in your a zip code it'll tell you where it is near you golf courses i've seen it there a bunch uh beverage stores bars all kinds of places uh, really popular in athens and just kind of everywhere the long drink finish long drink find it online thelongdrink.com also did you make some money this weekend on those blowouts in the uh, pro football playoffs what an awful wild card weekend it was but not so bad for you if you had action down on the games that's where our friends at bet us come in mind because the promo code that you've been using all year long to open up and start your account there still works even though the college football season is done plenty of action to be had during the week during college basketball obviously as i said before nfl stuff heading towards those weekends there as well divisional round coming up always i'd say probably the best weekend of the year maybe divisional round uh certainly better hopefully than what the uh, wild card uh, weekend was this past weekend but more fun to watch the games when you have action on the games that's where bet us uh kind of joins in on this check them out online betus.com enter the promo code dn125 and when you use dn125 the dn of course stands for dog nation you're gonna get 125 percent sign up bonus that means bet us will put more money in your account to start with than you do so you can use the promo code dn125 there for that betus.com that is the website all right let's do a couple of uh, golden shoes here before we crank up the uh the fight song to close things out a lot of folks having some fun at the expense of those lousy stinking gators now that georgia is on top of the college football world and the florida gators have to kind of look up at all of that so let's give out our first golden shoe related to that k hartley gives us this on twitter he says i made this for those lousy stinking gators very cool graphic it says but when's the last time y'all won a national championship that's the kind of thing that uh, florida fans have been asking for a long time and Kirby Smart in the photo here says, last week, baby, that's exactly right. Just seven days, I guess now eight days ago, uh, but just a week ago, the dogs claim that national championship and they are on top. Good stuff there. Next golden shoe goes out to our buddy Mad Dog, who says the 2008 jokes are just beginning. And you see his graphic here with the, uh, the two zeros in 2008, having the gator with the mouth closed. This is actually very creative there from our buddy mad dog uh truly golden shoe worthy there because we love the idea of shutting up those lousy stinking gators gator hater indeed on that and on a more serious note one of our great listeners and commenters philip thomas he says in the san francisco bay area celebrating my new granddaughter and the dogs winning the college football playoff 
national championship a week later. He says, great times all the way around. Hashtag go dogs. Hashtag golden shoe. Philip, congratulations on the new addition to your family. Beautiful, beautiful there. Uh, so happy that you shared that with us and certainly uh, know that she is welcomed into a great new world that includes the Georgia Bulldogs on top as the college football playoff national champions. That's really fun stuff. And with that, we'll sign off and wrap up today's show. And as we do so, speaking of 2008 and mocking Florida, something that never really goes out of style around here. You know, our buddy Eddie always loves being able to do that. Let's remind you, Gator Hater Updater, first and foremost here. How many days has it been since Florida has won a national championship? How about 4,758 days? Love the thought of that. These Florida fans, George W. Bush was president. A lot of things were different in the world back when Florida won its uh, last national championship. And you better believe those Florida fans are going to have to hear that from us for a long time after what they put Georgia fans through. And by the way, speaking of more misery for Florida fans, how about going back down to Jacksonville? As the reigning national champions, 284 days from right now, you love the thought of that. Dogs on top in the college football world and in that rivalry in particular, that is a great thing there as well. Fun to think about all of that. Y'all, thanks for being with us here today. Dog Nation Daily presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Hope all of you have a great day, and we'll see you back here again tomorrow. And on the podcast, I'm out the R.S. Andrews podcast cool down. We'll take a few of your comments and send, send them to me at dognation.com or on Twitter at dognationdaily. And by the way, I'd love your feedback on the fact that we did post the YouTube version of the show yesterday on dognation.com. For those of you that listen via the website and have had a little bit of an issue with that, uh, let me know how you feel about all of that. Amy Williams on the subject of Georgia's national championship on Twitter says, that this win was so extra special because the team was not just talented, but also a special passion and genuine love in their heart for their school and their community. These are role models for my students. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I think that, first of all, when you pay close attention to college football, one of the reasons why I'm very happy that my children are into the sport and one of the reasons why I think a lot of you feel that way there as well is because college football does serve to reinforce the things that do matter in life. And the thing that makes you a good college football player, I think also makes you a good person. And so, you know, that is one of the reasons why we celebrate success for a college football team is because it's not just, hey, good for our state, but also it's kind of good for those of us who value certain things, that the things that we value seem to be amplified by what leads to a successful college football team. I think Amy's right about that. Um, uh, (laughs) And Nico Montoya also checks in to say, as an Auburn fan who lives in Georgia, Georgia fans have been obnoxious for forever. Um, he says, to be honest with you, I didn't really want you to win a championship because of that. However, it's just a super excited group of fans that have waited a long time for this. Can honestly say I'm happy for all that. That actually took a little bit of a turn from where I thought it was going. So thank you so much, Mr. Montoya, for all of that. Um, somebody also mentioned, let me read this. I talked about Nicobe Dean, the autographs that he signed on Saturday, how cool all of that was. Somebody also mentioned that Jordan Davis had kind of done the same thing. I'm trying to find this message. I may not be able to find this. But somebody mentioned that Jordan Davis was kind of doing the same thing, which was great to be able to see. I'll try to get a few more of these comments in here. A lot of folks kind of rolling in here and sharing a bunch of stuff on Twitter. A lot of folks sharing their memories of the uh, uh, parade and how much fun all that was. I'm happy to see folks still enjoying all of that and just how 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 just clearly special of a day it was all the way around. Also, a lot of folks kind of arguing back and forth with other folks. Local Dignitary says the average margin of victory in the regular season was 34 points for Georgia. Average margin of victory in the playoffs versus the number one, number two ranked teams in the country was 19 points. One of only two teams in the AP poll era to beat 13 teams by 15-plus points. Uh, Yeah, I mean, 
ultimately, I think that Georgia actually ends the year as a more dominant national champion than I really gave them credit for at one point in time. That that when you when you ultimately look at the way it kind of comes to be, the 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 way in which this success is put together, it ends up being as as about a dominant a run as we've seen from a team in quite some time. Georgia fans just kind of weighing in and enjoying all of this. So keep sharing your comments there, dognation.com and on the Dog uh, Nation, to me on Twitter at Dog Nation Daily. We'll kind of get back to the normal business of doing a podcast cool down each and every day. I know we were kind of sporadic with this for a while because of being on the road and traveling and some things like that. But we're kind of back in a normal mode here again. So your comment's a big part of that. And I love your feedback about the cool down. Are you enjoying it? It's the kind of thing you like. Every now and then, if we don't have one, somebody will kind of pop in and say, hey, where'd it go? So I take that as some feedback. But any other feedback you want to give, Always happy to hear that there as well. Thanks for being with us here today. Podcast cool down. Find R.S. Andrews online, rsandrews.com, for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs. We will see you back here tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. We will look forward to talking to you then.